0: All right, so we started a series called "We Are Vineyard," um, and what we're doing over these next number of weeks is we're actually looking at 11 different what we call Vineyard Distinctives. And uh, as I shared last week, this is not supposed to convey the idea that we think we're we're the it. You know, like I, I just I'm gonna probably reemphasize this constantly. We are like one vegetable in the stew we are one flavor in the in the big c church like we don't consider ourselves uh, more important or superior to any other part of the beautiful tapestry that is the worldwide church of jesus christ we do however understand that now you could take the analogy whatever direction you want maybe you think you know we're 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 the, the spicy onion or the carrot whatever is in your stew but we recognize that our particular flavor is unique and needed so it doesn't we we need all of it we need everybody else we need all different other kinds of flavors and types of churches um, in other words we we couldn't do it on our own on our own v- vineyard, Can't reach everybody in the world or even in our own community. We need the other churches in our community. (coughs) Excuse me. But we do recognize that it's important for us to understand who we are so that we can live true to ourselves, so that we can fulfill the unique call that God has placed on us to accomplish what is our part. In other words, what is the gift that we bring? To the broader church to help accomplish the mission that Jesus set out for all of us. When Jesus, uh, just before he ascended back to heaven, and he gave that great commission, he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all the things I've commanded you. So I, we probably know that, right? Well, how do we contextualize that? What is our specific piece? And so that's part of what we're looking at is what are the unique ways and context that we can contribute to that while being true to ourselves. You notice that the logo, which I didn't create, this Vineyard USA I actually created this logo. But I love that it, it was a thumbprint um, because it's the same for us as individuals. Like mo- I can't say all. There may be some of it. Most of us still have our thumbs um but that thumbprint is unique like there's nobody else in the world that has that exact thumbprint now that doesn't fundamentally change the function of a thumb like if your thumbprint is 10 percent different than mine the function of what your thumb does is not fundamentally different but it is a unique imprint it's the same way for us as a venue church there is the call of jesus to be about the mission of god on the earth and that that applies to the whole church all Bible-believing churches that that believe in Jesus, but we have a unique thumbprint. And so particularly today, one of the sort of phrases or axioms or idioms that we're going to look at that provide our unique flavor is that we strive to be uh, people in the kingdom who are naturally supernatural. And we're going to unpack what we mean by that. But I wanted to start with this quote uh, from N.T. Wright. A uh, fairly famous theologian, and he simply says, "We are the ones through whom God's story has its power." In other words, you, you've often heard this phrase, and and people have said, you know, that uh, a church that's alive and on mission is being the hands and feet of Jesus. In other words, this is his story, but he uses us, invites us to participate in it uses you, you, let me use this analogy that we've used before we are like conduit it's god's story it's god's power but he chooses us his beloved creation his sons and daughters and he wants to flow through us to accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish on the earth and and to bring power to that story and, and we're not going to impact the whole story but you know that grand story arc that we've talked about before the this redemption story that that all of of history and creation and and scripture is pointing to one story that Jesus is is trying to ha- has accomplished at the cross redeeming and restoring our relationship with him and being about the business of destroying the works of the devil and and bringing his children back into truth like that that's now, you can parse that out in a lot of different ways, but that's the story that we're invited into. <coughs> Let me go ahead and pop. I can't get rid of that tickle. So I can talk and still have a Ricola, so it's not like gum. So when I was thinking about, for us, to contextualize it down to a local body, we're thinking about, okay, how do we live this out? What, 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 what could this look like? And we are going to get more detailed about what we mean by naturally supernatural. But I sort of made this statement. I, for us to be natural supernatur- naturally supernatural, I, I think God calls us to be people that are living by the Spirit, walking in power, without, and these addendums are important, adding hype, manipulation, or unnecessary weirdness. Right? Yes, please. I got one earlier, and I don't know where it went. Probably it probably is. <laughs> Thanks, love. So we know that we want to be living led by the Spirit. I mean, that that's if you've hung around here uh, very long at all, you, you know that that we desire that. And then and, and this phrase walking in power can be a little bit difficult um, because we're not talking about our power. We're not talking about, like, governmental structures or or some sort of dominating uh thing where the church becomes like in charge of the world this, this is not what we're talking about we're talking about that power that god wants to release as part of his story in other words the power to accomplish the things that he wants to do but it's so important because and i'm going to make a couple book recommendations here in a minute i'm just reminding myself to not forget that um it's so important that we add this part, though, because let, let's be frank. Well, actually, I'm Matthew. I don't want to be frank. <laughs> Sorry. Bad, bad bad, pun. Bad joke. Sometimes when we think of being led by the Holy Spirit, we all maybe know that person that's a little weird, at least in our eyes. Now, some of you are thinking, you're, you're that guy for me. <laughs> like, it's okay. It's okay. And, and so I'm, I'm not trying to say, like, we we are different, right? Like, so, so I, I'm not talking about conformity and looking like the world. But what I'm saying is sometimes we can add unnecessary things. We don't have to become weird in order to get God to do something. We don't have to hype things up. Like, we don't have to, like, create an emotional stir for the spirit to move. Uh, we just don't. If it's like it, – it, it, and I – I'll come back to this later, but if it's really God's power, I mean, I, I, I've been really hammering this lately. Like, God is is really real. He's real like gravity. His His kingdom can be tangible. We're invited into that reality. Like, if all of that's true, then he doesn't really need my help to, like, bring those things about. Like, I don't have to be responsible for creating an atmosphere. Now, There's the other side, like we want to create space for God to move, like we want to open ourselves to that, but like that's not required. God can show up in unexpected ways and in unexpected places, and that's part of what we're going to explore today. Uh, Before I take off and forget about this, uh, does anybody have a birthday this week? Oh, oh, I thought it was tomorrow. All right, so I'm going to give you the other one, because yours is, is it Wednesday? Yeah. So, well, let me talk about these first. Sorry, I'm probably driving John nuts, because I'm, like, moving all over the place. Uh, this is a great book called Naturally Supernatural. Now, the sermon today is not like, you're not going to read it in here, but this is a great, great, long-time vineyard book uh, by an author named Gary Best, um, and so I want I'm mentioning it, because if you want to pick up a copy, but I wanted to give away a couple, and then the other one uh, is exactly this is what made me think of it as I started talking about. It. It's called "The Wind and the Rudder," and and the subtitle gives it all away: "How to Live in the Power of the Spirit Without Becoming Weird." So let me go ahead and hand those to you guys. Um, I'm not going to say any more about them, but yep. Um, I will post. Uh, I'll post the titles on our church center hub. So if you want to, if you can't remember the titles later. I'll let you know. But this is part of what we, we want to accomplish is that it's like we want everything that the kingdom has. We, we want the Holy Spirit to be real in our lives, to move powerfully, to bring about healing and restoration and just like do all the things that he does. But we still want to be us. And, and I think, I hope if I can paint a picture today that like it is a tension it's not like the default position that you'll just slide into. It, it's a tension that you have to live in to be both supernatural, like walking in God's power and expecting his kingdom and seeing it and partnering with it and doing it, and also just being like, I, I'm, I'm me. I'm, I'm uniquely me, and I, I'm wired a certain way, and, and I can still be me and also live over here. Okay, Let's go. Um, I want to read some verses to help take us into this. In 1 Corinthians, I'll have these on the screen, but if you want to follow along, we're in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. We're going to start in 26. I'm reading from New Living uh, Translation. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. 28, God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Part of what he's saying there when he lands is, again, like if this is real, we can't take any credit. God is using ordinary, oftentimes unimpressive, regular, everyday people to do incredible, miraculous, supernatural things because he gets all the credit. How many of you... So so I've lived this story. And this is one of the things that that happens for many of us. The people... Maybe you don't live where you grew up. But it's like if you were a little rowdier when you were younger. I know none of you were. It's okay. Maybe you did some things you regret. But maybe there are people from a different season of your life that knew you at that time. And at some point in your story you encounter the kingdom you meet God things change you begin to be transformed your life starts to look different and then you bump back into those people and it's like they don't believe it it's like no I, I knew you. you you were you were this rascal you know you did you did these things and it's like that's what God does is he takes people that don't fit the mold he takes people that that wouldn't necessarily be qualified in the world's eyes, that aren't the most impressive, the, uh, have the highest status, and, and does this miracle of transformation, but then he desires to, to use us a- and empower us to be what we could never be on our own. Like it's a supernatural work. We, we talk about this, like in the context of vocational ministry, all the time. I know beyond, and and many of you, even knowing me a a short time, for some of you only know me a couple of years, like, if you pay attention, there are moments and times where, you know, like, that's not, (coughs) excuse me, that's not, like, within his capabilities, like, I've seen and experienced things, that's like, that thing is not possible without God, that's being supernatural, but we don't have to lose ourselves in the, in the process. So you, I, I felt really strongly on this point this morning, you can be your own unique self. This is a hang-up for some of us and still have God work through you. You can be your own unique self and still have God work through you. Some of you look at those of us that are in vocational ministry or maybe that friend or neighbor or small group member that, that seems to hear things that you don't hear or see things that you don't see. And think, well, I'm not spiritual enough yet to to operate like that. I, I I have to I have to emulate them. One of the best examples of this back in our days at the Champagne Urbana Vineyard, actually right after we came, uh, and I've referenced this guy before. If you know a, 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 a evangelist by the name of Todd White, now those of you who do like you immediately see the pictures like big buff like ripped guy with dreads and kind of wild like he he's an image so if you've ever seen him you you will remember um he came and did a conference at a church and it was really impactful and, and things were great and a lot of what todd does is what we would call street evangelism like he just bumps into people everywhere he goes and he gives words and he prays for people and And there became this thing, it's like, oh, well, so, like, if I want to operate in that kind of power, I have to be like Todd. Everybody needs to be a street evangelist. And it's like, no. Like, when you see, let me say it this way. When you see the power of God operating, like, at a high level in somebody else's life, it's not an invitation to copy them. It's an invitation to know Jesus in a way that you can operate like that, but in your own context, like in a way that is meaningful and unique and fits the shape of your life. So I don't ever want you to get the idea that you need to pray for people the exact way that I pray for people, or that you have to get a soapbox and go become a street evangelist. But, but what I do want to say is, however you are uniquely wired, you can have influence and you can be used of God regardless in your own unique way. And going right along with that, before we go back to the scripture, there's never a need for hype or manipulation. You, you've often heard us say, you know, so if I'm, if I, especially if I'm demonstrating and teaching a class or something, I'll pray for somebody and we'll say something along the lines of, well, give us some feedback. Let us know what you're experiencing. And then we'll often say things like, and don't be nice. Like we don't need people to pretend that something's happening if something's not happening. We don't need to use like techniques to try to get something to happen. If we really believe that this is real, we don't have to employ those kind of tactics to see stuff happen. Now what happens is we get desperate sometimes when things aren't happening and, and we start inserting ourselves. <coughs> There's never a need for hype or manipulation. In any kind of prayer or, or ministry situation, but we, but we need the supernatural power of God. So what I'm saying is, be natural. Be who you are. And, and, and that's really emphasized. You know, we're a pretty laid-back, down-to-earth, I think, group of people. So maybe that's a little easier to get a hold of. And what I'm saying is, without losing that, I also want us to be supernatural. I want us to walk in and operate in in the power of God in a way that we don't lose our identity. All right, let's go to, this is one of my favorite uh, passages. I'm not going to actually teach the whole passage, but it has some important things for us for this morning. Romans chapter 12, just the first couple of verses. I'm going to read this section out of the message. Um, And, you know, it doesn't like actually have verse numbers. So, so it's just it's, but it's just the first two verses. If you're reading in a different translation that does, I just love the language of this particular rendering. So here's what I want you to do: God helping you, and that's important that we stuck that in there, because what He's asking us to do, we can't do if God doesn't help us. So don't don't miss that. Take your everyday ordinary life: your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Wait a minute. Is he getting confused on his language there? No. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. In other words, it gives him pleasure to empower you. To see you embrace what he has for you. Because if we, again, if we truly believe that our good, good father is good, if we believe that verse in Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, like I know I got good stuff stored up for you, if we believe that, then embracing that actually gives him pleasure. How many of you have had the experience of giving a child a gift? And it's like just that, just right thing. And their face like lights up. Is that not good for you too? Like they think it's the best thing ever. But especially if it's in the context of being a parent or a caregiver. Like when you see that something you gave for them that's for their good. And they actually embrace it. And they recognize how good it is. That that does a lot for you. That's the way our father looks at us. He says, I, I, I've set up these things for you. And I've given you my kingdom. And when we embrace it, it makes him smile. When we say to him, yes, Jesus, I will embrace your kingdom. I will do the things you've asked by embracing your power in me, by allowing you to work through me. Uh, Last part of that verse. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Just as a a short aside. Now, now this is not condemnation because we're all growing in this. But one of the things we should be training ourselves to is, is quicker and quicker obedience. And all I mean by that is How many times do we feel like God tells us or asks us to do something? And we're like, "Mm, I don't know. Are you sure? Like, is that now I'm not saying don't like if you get a word, like it has to be tested if it's a word, but I'm saying like we should be training ourselves to respond quicker. Delayed obedience can be a form of disobedience. And so in intimacy and in relationship with our Father and with the Holy Spirit, we should become quicker and quicker. That not only do we react, but we also, part of that is we have to recognize, I know my Father's voice. He says, I, I know my sheep, they know my voice. So the better we know His voice, which is, comes by spending time with Him, worshiping, doing the things we talked about last week. When I know it's his voice, I can respond quickly. I don't have because here's the thing: if I really know it's him, and if I've developed an intimate relationship of trust and dependency and giving him my yes, then I don't have to stop and figure out if it makes sense. I can trust him. I can step out, and and here's the key, and this won't surprise most of you. A lot of times it doesn't until you do it. And in that moment of trust and stepping out and allowing God to use you, he will meet you. All right, last part of this verse. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This is an often overlooked part, I think, of us being naturally supernatural people. Is that it's all transformation. He is constantly... Like, he wants to use you to reach the world, yes. He wants to use you to to bring your neighbor a new awareness to the reality of God. To, to see your cubicle mate healed of, of a chronic condition. Like... He wants to do all those things that we talk about. But in the midst of everything he's doing, he wants to transform you to look more like him, to know his voice, like to just like... But that can be natural too. We don't need to place on ourselves the expectation that, okay, I believe you, I hear you, Matthew, that like God can use me the way I'm wired, like my personality is not a roadblock. But I still think like you know, I, I, I've got to figure some things out. I, I, I've got to grow a little bit more. You will grow the most when you trust him and step out and do it because he will meet you in that. And you will know. Here, here's the, here's the, where we get tripped up. Because you even when nobody else knows, when you step out and do something that doesn't make sense or that you know you can't do, even if it looks good to everybody else, you know I couldn't have done that without God's help. I wouldn't have even had the idea to try that. I would have never got to the result. And that process of recognizing that is part of your own transformation. God reassuring you, hey, child, you do actually hear my voice. You weren't sure, and that's okay. He's, you know, it's okay if we're not sure. But that's part of how he proves himself to us. His kingdom follows those that are listening to his voice and obeying. And when we step out and when we try, and it is like we say, sometimes it's like throwing spaghetti at the wall. You know, not everything works, and that's okay. But when it does, it reinforces in you. Okay, you know, this morning I wasn't so sure about this, you know. Am I I really in this? Am I really able to, to participate in these things? Am I actually hearing God, or am I just making up stories in my head? And I would just say to you, and I'll leave this here for now, you're probably hearing from the Father far more than you realize. And you just don't recognize that it's Him. But He's probably saying a lot more than you realize. In in all different ways. In all different ways. Okay. Uh, I want to look at just a couple more quick things before we wrap this up, and then we're going to spend some time praying for each other. Uh, but learning... How, like going through this process, learning how to be naturally supernatural opens up ministry opportunities in everyday life. Now, this is really important to me. Um, again, not because I want everybody to become a street evangelist. I, I, I don't. We, like, that's not the primary. Now, if you're wired for that, we'll pray, release you, God bless you, go do it. But that's not my particular calling. I know. <coughs> But what is a calling for all of us is that you need to see everyday, mundane, ordinary encounters with people as opportunities for ministry. We carry. So let me back up and say it this way, and I'm touching a little bit on last week. But we, when we talk about, you know, like corporate worship, and and people often remark, you know, it, it's another vineyard distinctive that you know. Uh, that something is different about worship because of the way we sing to god and just the the atmosphere of the way he comes and like now that that's not unique to us um but my point is we can carry that atmosphere that reality of the kingdom of heaven like 24 7 it's again it's like Yes, there's something really cool that happens when we come together and God comes and, and broods and moves in a corporate setting like this, and, and I welcome it. I say, I say more, Lord. But we don't have to think that the only time that we can, like, access that atmosphere is in a, is in a room like this. We carry that 24-7, uh, you know, and then it's not like, oh, I have to go around, you know, praying in tongues under my breath, like... No, like you can just be you, but it's just recognizing and having an awareness that God is everywhere. He's on the move, and I'm looking for where are those opportunities? What, what is he doing? And, and I'll throw this little monkey wrench in when we talk about evangelism. Evangelism, more than it is throwing spaghetti at the wall and just like giving a track or like talking to every person you can, you know, just like mowing people down, it's using the Holy Spirit to recognize who's ready. Might not be the person that makes sense. It might be a lot. But, but, but letting the Holy Spirit nudge you, guide you, direct you. Hey, hey, there's one of my kids. And they're like, they're on the verge. And I, I need somebody to go bring the last piece to their puzzle. They're, they're really close to my kingdom. They're like standing on the edge. And I need you to bring them in. I need you to love them in. I need you to serve them in. Does that make evangelism a little more accessible? Like then, then you know, well, I, evangelism is, you know, I have to come out on Thursday night and I have to walk the neighborhood and, and, you know, interrupt people's dinner and pass out tracts. Now, again, if you're called to that, do it. But I think for most of us, just developing that awareness that, you know, Holy Spirit you're, you're working, so where are you working today? And just keeping my spiritual eyes open. Where, where can I see you? What are you doing? All right. Um, then the other piece of that is when we are naturally supernatural. Now, I'm just using the word outsiders. In a gathering like this, there's always people that feel like insiders and people that feel like outsiders. And we try to do as much as we can to make outsiders feel welcome. Like We don't want to be uh, cliquish or exclusionary. But in terms of the kingdom, it's the same. So, you know, I don't want to go up to someone that I don't know at the grocery store and, uh, you know, read them a chapter from the King James Bible like, that's probably not going to connect. Um, And and depending on their context, that might make them really feel like, like, maybe they don't go to church at all, maybe they've never read, like they're going to feel like a real outsider, and that's not going to help draw them in. But when we become naturally supernatural, when we just be who we are but empowered by the Spirit and looking for where he's working and what he's doing, outsiders are not put off by prayer. And therefore, receptivity to God increases dramatically. In other words, if we use that imagery of the harvest, we know the scripture tells us that like the fields are white to harvest. Meaning like there's, there's a lot of kingdom harvest in the world around us the workers are few we need to develop spiritual eyes that see which things are ready to be harvested and and if i had time today i would but i'll just like there's actually a whole scale that was developed just to give language to like where people are at because often for people coming to the kingdom it's a journey and so there's actually like a sociological way and now this is not like this is not what you need to do on an everyday basis but it's just understanding, like, people are all different points on this scale of receptivity. And some people are at the very beginning. And and the opening is just like, but some people, and this is what I think primarily we need to be looking for. And it's not obvious unless you're leaning on the Holy Spirit. We need to be looking for those people that are, like, standing on the edge. It's like if here's the kingdom, they're standing on the edge, and all they're waiting is for one of the sons and daughters to come Invite them to take that last step. For some people, they're one step away from the kingdom, and you're the invitation to get them to take that step. And and this reemphasizes that you can be uniquely you because oftentimes in those situations, it's not like a blanket prayer or a mass-produced track. It's that unique thing that God gives you as an impression or a highlight that it's like exactly the thing that they need to take that step. When you have that word of knowledge, it's like, this makes no sense to me. What does a brown you know, teddy bear have to do with anything in a grocery store? And yet you share it, and it's like something that's super meaningful to them. And all of a sudden, that door is open, and they can take that last step, and they can come into the kingdom. The last uh thing that I want to say before we begin to pray. Being naturally supernatural paves the way for people to experience God's love and healing in a safe space <coughs> that isn't threatening or manipulative. We we say that that's what we want. We want to be naturally supernatural. We don't want to, you know, hype people up into some frenzy. We don't want to manipulate people into, you know, Pray this prayer and then you've got your fire insurance card. Like we, no, we want to reject all of that. But we want even this place and whatever space you carry with the people you encounter, it should be a safe space. A safe space to explore, to have doubts, to have questions, and not feel like those things are, are barriers to you actually entering the kingdom. We need to welcome people in where they're at. Uh, far be it from us if we ever become the kind of people that say you need to clean yourselves up before you come in the door no like and i get it like church with with people especially the more we welcome those that are not cleaned up that have stuff and if we're honest we all do but we try to pretend sometimes like we don't because there's just more obvious Right? Am I talking to anybody? Far be it from us if we ever become that judgmental that we don't welcome all different kinds of people at all different places in the journey with all kinds of mess and baggage and trauma because there's nowhere else in this world that they can truly find safety and healing. This should be the place. This should be the place. And you should be the people. Would you stand?